The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. My husband is Steve Siegel, and he's the producer and the one who does all the backlines work. Today's episode is episode number 298. We are closing in on our 300th episode. And today we have an interview with a gentleman named Dan Carity. But before I tell you about Dan, I want to remind you to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and please give us a five-star rating. That way, when people Google podcasts about addiction, ours will come up. And as you know, if you've been listening, our whole purpose is to give a message of hope and let people know that help is available since addiction can be such a very dark place to be, whether it's yourself or a family or loved one who is addicted. Also, please check out our YouTube channel, subscribe, ring the bell so that you get notified and give a thumbs up on our various videos. Again, for the same reason, so that people can find us. As I mentioned, today we have an interview with Dan Carity. Dan's career started as a dancer on Broadway and on award show stages with Britney Spears. After transitioning to a choreographer, he worked with Britney Spears in sync, Jessica Simpson, Kylie Minogue, Justin Timberlake, and Usher. In 2005, So You Think You Can Dance debuted with Dan as a judge. Despite keeping his personal life private and his effortless cool brand, Dan took the brave step of sharing with the public his lifelong struggles with anxiety and alcohol. Dan is a doting and devoted father and husband that made mistakes due to his struggles. Dan is launching a podcast. In fact, I think it's already launched. It's called If I'm Being Honest, and it will strip away surface facades to deliver the real, in-depth, and sometimes ugly truths of Dan's life and those of his courageous guests. Let's talk to Dan Carity. Dan Carity, it's nice to have you on the podcast today. We um, have run an ad about your podcast, so I feel like I kind of sort of know you a little bit, but I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've I've watched you guys quite a bit, listened to you guys quite a bit. So uh, you know, it's just an honor to be here and and get to talk to you in person. Well, thank you. And I know I just I know that whenever someone such as yourself tells their story, even though it's different than any other story we've had on the podcast, it's going to resonate with somebody. And if we can do that, then that's a good thing. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I found too. Uh, is that as different as everybody's stories are, there's so much that th that's the same, right? Yep. No matter where you're from or who you are or anything like that. Yep. Yep. So Dan, take us back. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, where'd you grow up? What was your life like? And, you know, kind of what led you into addiction? Yeah, I grew up um, the youngest of five kids um, in New Jersey. Uh, wonderful family. Uh, two great parents. Um and my older brothers and sisters who took good care of me, they beat on me a little bit, but took good care of me. I think that's fair. Um, and, you know, grew up playing sports and everything, but I do come from a bit of a dance family, entertainment family, as both my parents uh, back in the day were Broadway performers. So I, I got to dance along the way as well as playing sports. Um, and, you know, I started drinking while I was in high school. Um, and, you know, unfortunately... My drinking from the very first time was, you know, 
zero to a hundred. Um, I drank till blackout from the, from the very first time and, and that wow. never went away. Um, but it always stayed, you know, somewhat in check because I was, you know, as a dancer, was always very physical using my body. Um, and I was very busy. Uh, so I moved out to LA, um, started a, a career as a dancer, um, that led into a career as a choreographer. And I danced with, you know, um, really high profile celebrities like Britney Spears, um, and started choreographing for NSYNC and Justin Timberlake and, um, Usher and Kylie Minogue and, you know, all kinds of people. Um, and as that career continued to grow, so did my drinking. Um, so, you know, I was doing well and I was, I was making money and, you know, my career was on an upward path. So I didn't think there was anything wrong with how I partied. Um, I thought it was totally fine. Um, and no one questioned me either around me because I, I looked good. I was doing well, you know, so there was no reason to question it. And then as long as you show up and you do the job, you do what you're supposed to do. That was it, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and, and I, that was sort of instilled in me, by the, by the way, as, as a kid, being the youngest of five kids, by the time my parents got to me, <laughs> they were, they were tired of like the day to day, don't do this, don't do that. And we kind of had an understanding when I was in high school of, as long as I take care of my responsibilities, get good grades, dance at the studio, play soccer, do that stuff, I could kind of do whatever I wanted. Hmm. And so I did. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, my career is going well as a dancer and a choreographer. And this show, So You Think You Can Dance, came along. And I got hired as being a judge and a choreographer on that show. And nice. that was a game changer for me, obviously, as far as what it did for my career, um, what it did for my profile, and what it did for my bank account. Yeah. Uh, and now you add that to the equation and this this massive sense of entitlement <laughs> kind of came, came along with it. You and can I do whatever just, you want to do. You're a big look star. At me. Yeah. yeah. Like, look at me and look how great I'm doing. And, and, uh, and again, everybody around me bought into it too. So the, the really hard partying really started to set in there. Interesting. I never really got into drugs. Um, not that I didn't like them. Um, I did, but I couldn't hide them. I had all these telltale signs of rubbing my hands and my jaw grinding and rubbing my head. So I couldn't get away with doing the drugs. So mm -hmm. that was the only thing that kept me from, from going down that path. But the drinking just got worse and worse. Um, and every day that I wasn't working, I was drinking. Um, and still to where you passed out, still to blackout? Always to blackout, always to passing out wow. or until there was nothing left. You know, that, that like my only saving grace was that the bar closed or I had no alcohol left at home. Right. Um, and then, you know, I started working overseas with So You Think You Can Dance and other shows as well. Um, so now I'm traveling to foreign countries, but still living the same life, you know, and still any night that I was off drinking. And I met my now wife, then girlfriend at the time, and she started questioning what I was doing. Um, by three months of us being together, she was kind of like, you know, you went a little overboard last night, you know, but I was so manipulative and so able to deflect and I would, and mm. she would believe me. Mm. Uh, and the behavior just continued. Um, and eventually I got into a pattern where I was even drinking um, the nights before I was working, 
you know, where I didn't used to do that. Now I was drinking every night. Right. Um, you know, and it all just increased. And, and I promised my, my wife that, you know, when we got engaged, I wouldn't drink anymore. And when we got married, I wouldn't drink anymore. When you got pregnant, I wouldn't drink anymore. You know, and the last one was, of course, when we have kids, I won't drink anymore. And my drinking only increased um, and got worse and worse. But again, the career was going like this. Now I'm doing So You Think You Dance and Got Talent and all these other shows in all different countries around the world, making money. We lived in a beautiful home, took great vacations, all that. Until the pandemic hit. Ah. Now, this is, you know, I, I had lost myself, right? I had lost myself in my alcoholism and my identity. And somewhere along the way, I blurred the line between who I was on television and who I was at home and sort of tried to be the guy I was on television all the time. I had stopped telling the truth to anybody around me. Um, any days I had off, I was drinking earlier in the day, convinced people to go to lunch with me just so I could drink wine, you know. Um, and you had kids at this point, right? And I had kids at this point. Yeah, they were little, but yeah, they were, you know, I mean, my kids now are 11 and 8, you know, so this was all the way through their their early years. Mm. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, the whole facade that I had built up was torn down. Right. Because you took away my job. You took away my travel. You took away my alone time in the hotels. You took away everything that I had built up and made my drinking look OK by all of this other stuff. Now I was just a dad and a husband sitting at home, not doing anything, nowhere to hide, nowhere to deflect anything. And I couldn't even look at that guy in the mirror. Um, and I didn't want to, and I had nothing to do. And so my drinking just started to move earlier and earlier in the day. Wow. And the more I drank, the higher the anxiety level went, right? I would wake up feeling worse and worse. So I would start drinking earlier and earlier. And yeah. it didn't take long before I was drinking all day. Wow. From the moment I woke up till the moment I went to bed, trying to hide as much of it as I could, but my wife knew, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I had always been an isolator, go away on vacation, not vacation, on, on a job, but right. stay in the hotel every moment I wasn't working. Right. All by myself. Yep. You no know, pandemic. Now I just isolated at home. I didn't, I wasn't hanging out with anybody, you know? And it just, I completely went off the cliff um, and couldn't handle it. And it got so bad to where my wife wasn't even sleeping in the same room with me because um, she couldn't stand the smell of me, the sight of me. Um, and it ultimately led to one day when my daughter, who was nine at the time, walked in the room and just looked at me. I was always the first one up. I was always, you know, did a million things before anyone in the house got up. Now I was the last one getting up. And my daughter, who always looked at me as like the, Dad'll do anything with me. Dad'll go out running with me, play with me in the background. But, you know, now she looked at me kind of sideways and just said, you don't look, you don't look good. You know, mm -hmm. what's wrong with you? And that was the moment I realized, you know, of all the other promises I made and I broke, 
I promised I wouldn't do this to them. Right. And that was a promise that I was breaking that I couldn't live with. Yep. And that changed, that changed it for me. And so what did you do then to get um, sober? So I walked into the guest room where my wife was staying at the time and just kind of threw up my hands. And I said, I give up, you know, I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm, I had tried to convince her that I could fix it on my own. Right. And I finally admitted I couldn't. Um, Asking for help is one of the hardest things ever, isn't oh it? Oh my God. I, you know, it was like, it was like admitting all that, all those lies that I had told for all those years. Yep. Finally admitting it, you know, yeah. and it hurt to admit it. And the shame was almost unbearable, but she had me in a rehab facility about 40 hours later or so. Um, That last day or day and a half, whatever it was that I spent at home was, was miserable. Cause you didn't drink, right? Oh, I did. I did. Oh, oh, you did. Okay. She asked me not to, right. She said to me, Hey, you're going to go away for at least a month. Like, can you just be here with us? Be here with your kids, whatever. And I told her, yes, I will. I promise. You know, and and I meant it when right. I was saying it. I really did. And when I tell you a half hour later, I pulled up in front of the liquor store to get a bottle. It's like I just I could not stop myself yep. from doing it. You are listening to the addiction podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us. Go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes. The hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. It's addiction. I mean, however you want to call it, it's addiction. And it's not just physical. It's physical, mental, spiritual. And whereas mentally and spiritually, you can say, okay, I'm going to stop. And as I'm sure you know, from having come through it, cold turkeying alcoholism can be very dangerous. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm probably lucky yeah. I didn't try to do it because God knows what would have happened or what that would have been like. Oh, and yeah. what, what my kids would have had to watch um, would have been awful. Um, and you know, my wife, she didn't fight it at that point. I think she was so, I think happy that I was going to rehab, but I think happy that she was getting rid of me at that point because I was, I was her third child. Yeah. You know, um, she was just spending her days 
trying to figure out how to get through it with me. Um, so I think it was and not a blessing, but I think it was good. I didn't go through it until I, until I got to rehab. Right. And how long were you in rehab? I was there for 31 days. Okay. Um, did the 31 days. Um, first three days were, or two days or so were awful. The guilt and humiliation and shame and felt like I was abandoning my family and also felt like I didn't belong there. You know, all, all that typical stuff. Right. And by that, somewhere in that third day or so, I realized this was like the best thing ever. Um, started talking to the other guys there, talking to people for the first time in forever mm -hmm. and connecting with people and being honest, right? I mean, yep. actually telling someone the truth for the first time. <laughs> wow. And Cathartic. <laughs> yeah. And when I tell you those next 30 days or whatever it was were... I mean, the best days I had had in years. I loved it there. You know, it's like, yes, I missed my family and, and everything. But I I loved how I felt. I loved who I was, right? It was like just realizing who I was again and realizing I could tell these people what I was really thinking and feeling. And after feeling like an outsider for so long, I was like, I belong here. Like yeah. I, I had found my place. These are my people. Yep. And it, it felt fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I, I did that for 31 days. And when I got out, you know, God love her. My wife was right there to pick me up. Um, and I went into um, outpatient treatment and I did outpatient treatment for about six months or so, you know, the three days a week to the two days a week to the one day a week kind of thing. And was in uh, AA meetings right away um, and kept that going. Still, I'm still doing that. Talked to my sponsor the first day out, um, you know, and just started working the program for that, from there and have built a life around it. You know, I'm a year in, I guess, almost five months now. Wow. Um, and I, you know, my whole life revolves around recovery and it's spectacular. You know, and, and very well done on being sober for as long as you have been, because, you know, we've talked to enough people who've been through it. We know it's not an easy, it's not easy. And, you know, it just, anyway, well done you. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, the, sorry. I was just going to say, you can finish. I was just going to say, but you're giving back and you need to talk about that as well, because you're giving back, which is also amazing. Yeah, I you know, I met these guys again, you know, the guys you I met while I was in rehab and guys were in there for the second or third or fourth time. And their their level of care for me was was amazing. And their their motive their 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 desire to motivate me to be a first time winner and to tell me all the mistakes they made in not sticking with the program and why they fell off um, and what made them relapse and all the lessons they gave me while I was in there, I felt like armed me with what I needed to walk out of there and at least have the right mindset and the approach. And at least not make the mistakes they made. Exactly. You know, and, and I knew it wasn't going to be easy and I would, you know, but they, they let me know, Hey, there's no reason why you can't be that first time winner. And I believe that when, when I got out of there because of them, 
Um, and I'm still in contact with some of them to this day, which is awesome. Yep. Um, but you know, while I was in there, um, you know, I read, uh, I was reading constantly. Um, and one of the books I read was called the obstacle is the way, um, it's by Ryan holiday. And it's, you know, to keep it short, it's really about just not, we all run into different obstacles in our life. And a lot of times we back away from them. We turn away from them. You try to find a way around it. But ultimately what you should do is grab onto that and use that obstacle as a source of power, uh, as a source of motivation. And that really pushed me to say, I'm not going to be afraid of this thing. I'm not going to keep it a secret. I'm not going to hide it from everyone. I am going to be as open and honest as I can be and just tell people, yeah, I'm an alcoholic and I'm in recovery and this is my life. And at that time, I didn't know how far I was going to go for that with that. But I knew that I wasn't going to hide it from my family. I wasn't going to hide it from my friends or anybody around me. As time went on, once I was out, I realized from everyone being willing to share their stories with me. And from the day I got out, I was listening to podcasts, your podcasts, other people's podcasts. And it gave me so much hope on a daily basis that I said, I feel like I should do this too. Because in my life, I was a journalism major in college. Um, as I just said in the beginning of this, I've been on So You Think You Can Dance and Got Talent. I have a gift of communication. I just had only used it to make money. I never used it for anything else. Right. And I, I really think I didn't use it for anything else. I think it was almost a gift that I didn't use it earlier because I had nothing to say. Mm. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I have something to say. Yep. I have something to share. Yep. And that's what gave me the, the push to say, I don't know how far I can go with this, but I'm going to talk to anybody who's around me and anyone who wants to listen. And maybe I'll help somebody. You will. I know you will. I absolutely know it. So name of your podcast. I'm assuming people can find it on different platforms like they can this one. Yeah, it's on all the different platforms and it's called Dan Carity, if I'm being honest. And on it, I, you know, I obviously I talk a ton about addiction and recovery. Yep. But I also talk just about obstacles people face in their lives, whether you're a major athlete or, you know, you're you're a stay-at-home mom or dad. Yep. Um, because our obstacles are all the same. You know, they all have different elements to them, but they're all the same. Um, so I just love to, you know, help people share their different stories and ask them any kind of questions that come up while they're telling them. I think it's huge. And, you know, thank you for saying that at least listening to our podcast among others was gave you some hope because that's the total reason we do this. You know, we, Steve and I don't have a loved one who's addicted. We didn't go into this from a personal reason other than personally, we felt that addiction was such a horrific and huge problem in this country that we couldn't just sit by and just ignore it and say, oh, someone else will fix it and someone else will handle it. So your podcast is going to do the exact same thing. It already is doing the exact same thing and people will listen to it and then they go, oh, okay, I, I, I got hope. If this guy can get clean and sober and do what he's doing, then so can I. And I just want to spell for our listeners, it's Dan, D-A-N, and his last name is K-A-R-A-T-Y. If I'm being honest, 
And you can find his podcast and do the same thing with his podcast that I always ask you to do with this one. And that is listen, give him a five-star rating. He's giving hope to people that are going through this. He's been through it. So he has a lot of reality on it. And yeah, there you go. Dan, you're amazing. Are you going to, are you, do you think you're going to get back into the, the whole, uh, television programming thing? Yeah, I've actually already gotten back into it. Okay. Um, You know, luckily for me, my, my old employers, um, had open arms and, you know, they said, we can't wait to get you back on TV. So I've already been traveling back over to Europe and doing the shows, but in a totally different way. Right. Because I'm, I'm happy to be there. No anxiety, no hangover, no, what is anyone thinking of me? I'm just loving the opportunity and I'm, I'm present while I'm doing it and grateful for it, That's uh, awesome. which I wasn't for so long. So Yeah, that's awesome. Well, best of success and in your career, but also with the podcast, because we know it's going to be huge. And thank you for doing what you can do to help address this whole area of addiction. Yeah. And thank you really for, for how much hope and motivation you gave me along the way. You'll continue to give me and, you know, for letting me come on here and share my story as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. I think Dan's story is phenomenal, and I hope that it has given you some hope. Um, you can always reach out to him, too, if you have a story you want to tell, and you know, we'll help fill up his podcast. Once again, it's Dan Carity, K-A-R-A-T-Y, if I'm being honest. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another interview. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast. Point of no return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.